as a public speaker, you can make a lot of money with online training courses. That's what we're going to talk about in this episode. What's up, profitable public speaking listeners? Mark Berti, the public speaking coach here, helping people get on more stages and make money each time. And we have two awesome guests who are on the show. Uh, they make a lot of money with training courses, with selling uh, behind the stage. So that's what we're going to explore in this episode. But in addition to that, we have some freedom junkies and prolific content creators. Uh, they've launched over a dozen businesses. Uh, they've been coaching, speaking, writing, teaching, all that stuff for over a decade. They have 75 online courses taken by over 100 people, uh, 100,000 people, big difference there, 100,000 people uh, from 191 countries. So these people, uh, they're helping a lot of people achieve their big transformation. So uh, the guests who we have here for episode 15 of the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast are none other than Joelle and Natalie Rivera. We have a dynamic duo. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, we're truly honored to be here with you. And we, we love what you, you, you're such an amazing creator in your own right and everything that you do to help people transform their lives. So we're honored to be here. And we're excited to share some of uh, our experience and wisdom with people who are maybe just trying to get into public speaking or who are doing it and looking at ways to monetize it. Yeah, and it's uh, certainly great to have you two on the show. And I feel like this is a great topic because public speaking, I mean, it is something you can make a lot of money from. And if you have a training course, there is a lot of potential for you. So it's going to be great for someone looking to get on stages. It's going to be great for someone who, how do I make money from getting on these different stages? So we've got a lot of different things we could cover. I think we should start. Uh, one thing I didn't mention in the bio is that uh, Joel had uh, a big illness while traveling overseas. And uh, uh, this created a big shift for Joel and Natalie. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that shift and uh, how that led into the training courses? Well, before I ended up getting sick, we were, you know, we had a, a virtual office center that we were renting out. Uh, we both started, you know, we were speakers and we started actually putting together conferences. So we would bring in five to 10 different speakers and things like that. So we actually moved from us being just speakers to then bringing in other speakers. And we also had a magazine and a coaching company all at the same time. So we wore a lot of hats. Yep. So after getting sick, I realized that everything I was doing was active income. So I had to physically be there. I had to like, uh, if I wasn't there, I wasn't getting paid. So just like speaking, you could do it one time and you can get paid for it and it's great. But then we realized that, okay, we have five different businesses that are crumbling around us uh, because I'm sick and she was my full-time caretaker. So at the time it was like, how can we create more passive income? And more importantly, how can we leave a legacy and impact more people? So what we ended up doing is saying, why don't we just start recording and putting the stuff that we we're doing as workshops, as trainings into online courses and it kind of just took off from there. And it gave me the flexibility to be able to work on my health schedule. So if I could only record for like 10 minutes a day and then go back in fetal position, I could do that and still make the impact that I was really trying to make. And so that was ultimately the, a big transition for us. Not only was it a blessing, which a lot of people think that sounds crazy, but for us it was a blessing because it stopped us from kind of being on that hamster wheel right. of constantly working and constantly having to create something new and having to do another presentation or start another event or get more clients. Because again, every time if we needed, if we wanted income, we had to continue to work for it. And what had happened was we actually had two online courses we had created. And we also had a magazine that had digital subscriptions. And when he was sick and we basically both stopped running our businesses, the income from those 
the courses and the magazine, because they were subscription-based, they were residual, that was the only income we had. And so, like he mentioned, we converted everything we used to do in person, or maybe through a presentation or a training program, into a course. And so we've been in both worlds, both the speaking world, where we're getting paid to speak on stage, but we've also done the online course version of the same thing. And we found some really interesting ways of connecting those two things together so that they can feed each other. And it's interesting how, I mean, something like what you two experience, something no one wants to go through, but it did get you off the hamster wheel and stuff like that makes you think about what you're doing. You realize there is an end at some point and you want to create the impact that you want to make while having an easier lifestyle. Like, you know, some passive income's coming, even though you still do speaking, you still uh, go to all these different places. Uh, I like how you mentioned turning the uh, speaking engagements into a training course because that's easy for a lot of public speakers. Uh, my only question is, uh, how do you balance like taking workshops, stuff like that, turning them into training courses and having presentations like a speaking reel uh, because uh, event organizers do like to see that full uh, session of you speaking. Uh, so how do you strike that balance between giving people what they want on their speaker page while still being able to create those training courses? Well, and for us, it's always been, you know, when we create like an online course is give as much as we can, you know, for every course, obviously it's about problem solutions. So you're solving a problem with each course. Obviously we have about 75 courses, but actually what's happened is that we've gotten a lot more, opportunities because of our courses so we have a lot of companies uh, whether they want us to be consultants or go into the organizations and do a presentation on a specific topic so for us it's just having the content out there has opened up doors and opportunity I think before it was more like I'm a published author you know I have a book so all of a sudden people are like oh he's an author you have a great book about this topic can you come speak with us now it's kind of shifted because now they can take your course and they can say hey I like his stuff I want, to be, I want to have him present the same information into my audience. And what I'll add to that is that in a lot of ways, um, the content is different. And even though, yes, we did convert what we used to do in person to a course, over time what's evolved is we realize a lot of times if you're speaking, especially if you're doing a, a speech, you might only have 45 minutes or an hour and sometimes shorter, where if you're like us, like we could be teaching on one topic for six hours and not run out of content. So what happens is our, our speaking program gets to the core of the material um, and teaches them something very valuable, where then we can offer an online program. And sometimes the online program can even include more like coaching or a group component, but it offers a way that people who are hearing you speak, if they want to dive deeper, they can come to you for more. So there's more than one way you can do it. You can literally offer the exact same thing in an online course, or you can offer additional content. And so if you're, even if it's exactly the same, if your one hour presentation is also available in the course, if you think about it, if you're speaking on a stage, the only people who you can reach are the people in that room. Right. Whereas if you make an online course, you can reach people all over the world. And so um, as far as your question about getting basically the footage of you on stage, if your primary goal is, is to be a speaker, of course, you have to keep speaking. You have to keep, you want to film when you're on the stage. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't also take more of that content that you have within you and create a course that you don't do on stage. So there, there's really not a conflict between uh, one or the other. And um, it is different. A course is different. You can't just 
record yourself on a stage and turn it into a course and have it work as well. It's a different kind of process, um, but even but the content can be similar. Okay. Yeah, and that is interesting because I love the idea of turning your presentations into courses. It's just I do see that juggle. And I do feel like as you do more speaking gigs, like you can only fill up your speaker page with so many events. So that's another factor that could definitely come into play. Uh, for turning a public speaking presentation into a course, like, do you just like take that whole thing or do you like break it into sections? Like, uh, like for instance, like a one hour presentation, do you turn that into like two 30, uh, 30 two minute videos or uh, do you just do that whole presentation? Well, the way you would do it with online course, courses and the, what research has shown is that people's attention span tends to be five to 15 minutes. So you wanna be that Netflix of the online course for your community, meaning that people want to binge watch your course. And the way that you do that is that you make a smaller chunk. So somebody will say, well, the next video is only seven minutes, so I can watch another seven minutes. And then they watch that one, they get excited. They're like, oh, it's only five more minutes, only 10 more minutes. So usually we try to keep all our videos under 15 minutes. Uh, the Goldilocks zone has always been about 10 minutes. And that way you can keep people binge watching uh, your courses and things like that. But if you just put out an hour presentation or 30 minute, two 30 minutes, a lot of platforms, one, won't take it, and two, is not going to help you maintain the people to actually finish the course. And as far as how you actually translate the content, so if you think about a, a normal presentation, there might be three to six sections where you're talking about different topics. And so usually the way it works is you would, each section would become a new video. So it also makes it really easy to record an online course, especially if you're a speaker already, if you can get up and stand on a stage for an hour and talk straight through, you're going to find making a course even easier because you only need to do five to 10 minutes at a time. And you would put your, whatever it is that you need to kind of prompt you. So you, for instance, you could put like a, a little tiny piece of paper with some bullets on it just to remind you what you want to talk about. If you like to do it off the cuff, you can use a teleprompter if you like to do it scripted and uh, you're only approaching five to 10 minutes of content at a time. And so you just record one video and then you can turn it off and save it, which also prevents you from accidentally getting 30 minutes into a video and realizing you made a mistake. Right. Um, so recording it in smaller pieces makes it a lot easier. Um, and then they, it kind of pieces it together to walk the person through the same presentation you would have done on stage. And I do like that idea of knowing in advance, like how long you want to make your videos, like that five to 15 minute sweet spot. And that it helps you with structure your presentation, like thinking like, I want to talk about like these different topics, put them on these different slides, but then uh, structuring the slides as if they're like uh, lectures within a training course and you're just putting them all together to one giant presentation. And then with the slides, you could really tell like where you want to start and where you want to end. So that's something else that people could consider. And I really like this idea of repurposing all the public speaking uh, presentations. I'm actually doing what in San Diego this September. So definitely thinking about that for myself also. But how do you then go about selling these online courses? I know you could like, like Udemy, we talked about that. Uh, that's a good platform. But uh, I wonder if you could talk about how you sell your courses like at events. Well, at events, what we do is that 
obviously a course, for example, one of our courses might have like six hours or eight hours or 10 hours worth of content. So there's only so much that you could teach if you're doing like a one hour presentation. Obviously, if you're doing, for example, we do weekend retreats and things like that. So it's a different type of workshop. But if you're doing an hour presentation, what we do is that we tell them everything that is built in what you're teaching. And then we only focus on one thing because we wanted to leave there saying, if I do this one thing, it will change this aspect of my life. But at the end, you can give them, what we do is that we tell them, well, from the beginning, we already let them know, we prephrase it. Well, at the end, we'll let you know how you can take this further if you want. So at the end of our presentation, we always say, you know, if you want more information, we have an online course that will walk you through A through Z in this specific niche and this specific topic. And the good thing about having products such as online courses is one is digital, so it doesn't cost you anything to produce them when you get to the event. It's a lot easier for people just to download them and buy them right away. But also it gives you an opportunity to speak for free and sometimes make more money than if you were charging to speak. Right. Because a lot of times when we do presentations, like we make more money off back of the room sales than we do if we were to charge. And again, it comes down to that you have a, a product that doesn't cost you anything to sell, but it's really about what a lot of presenters don't do is that they don't see through the process. So when you're speaking, you, you put seeds and you plant them of the transformation that you can get if you follow this process or if you use certain tools. And obviously you can't get deep in those tools, but then you have a, a online course that can get really deep into those tools. Yeah. So that strategy works awesome. If, if you do have a bigger program than you can present just in your, you know, 30 minute speech, because it, it gives you, it kind of takes the pressure off because, you know, when you're passionate about what you're talking to people about, it's like you want to tell them everything, but you can only do, you can only speak so fast. Right. So it's a really great way of being able to just pick one area that you know that is really going to impact them and focus on that. And then be able to tell them how that one thing fits into a bigger picture. So you might have really loved that I talked about how to use Twitter today, but if you wanted to know how to use all the different platforms, then I have this course that teaches you that. And because they really loved your presentation on Twitter, then they want to know, okay, well, what does this guy have to say about Facebook? Because they've already kind of hooked them. They like you. They know you offer good content. And so it naturally does lead to it. The one caveat is not, not all places will allow you to sell from the stage. Right. So if they don't allow you back of the room sales or to pitch something, then you just kind of have to adjust it a little bit and just let them know that you do have other, you know, it's like you can visit me at my website or sometimes they let you sit in the back, but not say anything. You just need to check in with where you're talking because you don't want to go and give a presentation somewhere that doesn't allow that and then get up onto the stage and try to sell something. Right. Uh, they don't like that very much, but, but in a lot of situations you are allowed to do it. Yeah. That, that is a good point because I know libraries, for instance, like they will give you free space, but if you uh, charge people for the ticket, sometimes it's like they don't allow, or you got to pay for space if you want to do that. And they definitely don't like it when you sell. So uh, definitely something to, uh, think about like asking the venue or the event organizer if that's okay. Uh, one of the things I do want to talk about is you mentioned the event retreat, like that's your approach, like a deep immersive uh, kind of experience. And uh, the way I do it is I currently go to co-working spaces, libraries, restaurants for an hour. I actually teach this in my uh, speaking gigs on demand course, uh, how to do that. But for like a six hour uh, presentation, like how do you get 
that space? Like, is it similar to like reaching out to those places or is there a different strategy in play to get the space for that long? Well, to get the space for that long, you just, for us has always been what kind of environment we want to create. So we've done workshops that are a weekend retreat that are close to the beach because we want our clients to walk over there or in a wooded area. So then we look for spaces, rental spaces in that area. And we just ask them, you know, how much would it cost to, to rent the space for eight hours or for the weekend or something like that. Uh, also, you, when you plan something like that, you got to make sure that it's accessible. Uh, we used to do a lot of conference, a lot of workshops in the area and the area where you put it, if it's not accessible, then you're not going to have as many people come. And that's just reality. Some people say, well, it's an amazing spot, but it's like 30 miles away from everything. So it's like, you have to realize that you have to make it as convenient as possible because a lot of the people that might be attending your workshop, uh, they're already having resistance to having to go and dedicate six to eight hours. So what can you do to make it as easy as possible? Another thing that we do, for example, if we're doing a weekend retreat or even an eight hour workshop is that we do a one hour teaser. So people come and they have, we have a workshop, we give them all the bread and butter, you know, we get people excited. And at the end of that one hour free hour uh, that they're getting this presentation, we, you know, we present, we're going to be having this weekend retreat, or we're going to have this eight hour workshop that's going to get more deeper into this. And that's always been an effective way to get a lot more people to sign up. Yeah, and it's where it works just like whether you're sending them to a longer event or you're sending them to a course. The process of presenting that initial information is the same. And, and I guess the only difference between a retreat and a, a longer workshop or conference and what you're talking about um, is that in those situations, you're always paying to rent the room. You usually have to... Um, you have to use audio visual. There's a lot more that goes into it. It's more cost intensive. So it's definitely something that you have to be selling tickets to. You have to be charging a higher amount for. And if it's an overnight, one thing that uh, Joel didn't mention is you have to pick a place that either has rooms where people can stay or that is right next to a hotel. Because if you're ever inviting people to travel to come to your event, even if it's only 30 minutes away from their house, a lot of people won't want to drive back and forth. Uh, for, so they'll stay for the weekend. So you do have to keep that in mind. It's a slightly more involved process. But of course, it's also profitable because you can charge more for the event. And actually, can I just add one thing real quick? Uh, I just think it's very important. If you're just starting as a speaker and you're listening to this, you're thinking, well, am I really going to be, am I going to want to invest this money into one marketing and to getting people there? One of the best things that you can do and that we've always done, especially when we first started, is partner with organizations that already have your clientele. For example, I used to do workshops with the Women Resource Center, and I used to do workshops pertaining to women, which they would like. We worked with holistic centers that were already in place, where we were doing workshops on happiness, which we knew they would be in sync with those things. So find what's in your community that already has access to your clients that might have some space, that might already be doing workshops and things like that, and you can partner with them and say, hey, I can do the workshop, you can promote it to your clientele, we'll do 50-50. And a lot of places will do that. And it gives you an opportunity to get known in the community. It gives you an opportunity to practice your speaking skills and to be able to move forward with it. And uh, that's a really great point because I know when people think about organizing their own event, they think about the investment that comes into that. And uh, definitely is an investment to organize a retreat like Natalie and uh, Joel do. And uh, I mean, if you're able to get the initial free events, or you're able to negotiate to really trim down on the price, you are able to practice your pitch because if you like 
buy this big venue and you pay money, you make the investment, but you don't know how to sell on the stage, that's going to be a big problem. So it is good to do the uh, smaller events that you can get space for free or any public speaking gig you get that lets you do it uh, to do that pitch. And that will just set you up for uh, being able to thrive with that pitch when you have put down a lot more money to make that event happen. Yep. And one other thing I would add is that if you're doing workshops, if you're doing conferences, if you're speaking, one of the big mistakes I think a lot of speakers do, especially initially, is that they don't take the time to build their list. So when you're speaking anywhere, make it easy to capture people's emails, phone numbers, and things like that. You know, obviously one of the things that we've done in the past is that we have like a, a, a code that people can just text to. So they can text this code to this number and then it puts them on a sequence, but we already have their number, we have their email and all that thing is captured and put into our email list. So how can you start building your brand? How can you start building your email list? So even if you don't have a product right now, so when you do, you have an audience that you can sell it to. Yeah, even if you have to offer something for free, because that you can definitely do a free event and upsell some people into your program, but you can also put one more step in there by offering something free that they can enroll in. And then once they enroll in that, then you can offer them your program. So um, it does, like he says, it builds your list. You might not be making the money off of it right away, but especially if you're new, you're just trying to get in front of as many people as you can and developing that connection with those people because you never know who's going to come and, and follow you later. They might follow you on social media. They might connect to you some other way. And so it's not always at first about trying to make money, that the money is definitely there. There's a lot of opportunity with speaking, but it's really more about reaching people and making those connections and, and getting your name out there. Yeah, and uh, I really like the idea of having that texting option because uh, to ask someone to like flip open their computer or even type in a URL these days is really tough, but texting a number is certainly easy to do. For people who aren't familiar, can you just share with us that resource you use to make that whole event possible where people do text the number and get the resource? Well, there's several different platforms. Uh, hold on a second. He's trying to find out the name of the one that we used. We've used more than one. Um, so I've definitely seen this in play. And other yeah, if you look events. up text marketing, there's, because the, there's a lot more companies that do it now. When we were using it more regularly, there was only two or three options, but there's a lot more yeah, out there now. Yeah, I think the one we were using was called Easy Texting. Easy. Like E-Z, the, the letters. Mm -hmm. But there's several of them now that you might be able to use. That There's also Simple Texting. We've tried that one as well. Yeah, it's uh, called SMS Marketing. Yeah. Or text marketing. If you, if you do, even just Google that, you'll find a lot of different resources. And a lot of them are actually free if you aren't going to be using it very much, or it's a pretty low cost um, option as far mm -hmm. as a, a way of capturing leads. I mean, back when we started, the only option we had is we would have like a sign up form with a paper and people could put their name and an email address. And in some situations, that's completely fine. That works. Uh, but especially if you're dealing with a younger audience or a larger audience, um, they're just not going to have time. Like a large audience isn't going to have time to come back and stand in a big line to give you their email address. Right. Um, but if you can create something engaging, or that's where the offer offering something free comes in, is that you're more likely to get people to send you that message and enroll 
if you're offering them something that they're going to get that's valuable to them. Um, and then again, you can develop that relationship with them after the event. And then you use the event just as that ability to, to have them get to know you and like you so that then when you're sending them a message, they're not wondering who the heck is this person. Yeah. When the, the thing I like about the texting too is that you can have it set up where it's like a sequence. So you can ask them a question. If they say yes, then it has this. If they say no, then it goes to this. So it's almost like it, it creates a sequence for you to be able to then drive them to your webpage or your sales page or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And another quick pointer I would also say is that one of the best places to put yourself out as far as social media is LinkedIn. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of people out there that are looking for speakers, that are companies uh, looking for someone to fit like a specific niche and build your LinkedIn page. So make your stuff look credible on LinkedIn. I've gotten a lot of speaking gigs from LinkedIn, including one that I got to speak on the same stage with Magic Johnson. Uh, so it's like out of nowhere, you know, people have contacted me and say, hey, you know, uh, can you do a presentation here? These are some of the speakers. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's an awesome opportunity for your own personal growth as well. But that's one of the platforms that I highly suggest that you develop as a speaker because that's where business people are looking for people. Yeah, and LinkedIn, I have been using the platform lately. It's really great and does give you a lot of really nice connections and puts you in front of the right clientele for getting more speaking gigs. And I think that is a great habit for us to just be on LinkedIn more, be more active on it. I wonder if each of you could share with us some of your habits that have really contributed to your ability to thrive as public speakers. Well, for me, I would say my number one habit is consuming content. And that's something that you and I share and we all share, Mark, is that we love, like I read somewhere that you consume like 10 or 30 books a month or something like that. Uh, we do the same thing. We're not quite as many, not quite not, as to many, be honest. <laughs> but maybe like one or two a week. Uh, but for us, it's almost an opportunity to learn different styles. So everyone, we are listening to people speaking, some of the uh, examples that they give. Sometimes we listen to it. We're like, Oh, that's great. And also diversify what you're learning. I think a lot of people just focus on one niche that they're like focused on. But if you diversify your learning, there's so many gold nuggets. Also watch other speakers. When you watch YouTube, watch other speakers doing presentations. What did you like about them? What made you feel good? You know, what made you laugh? What did, turned you off so you know not to do it? And also as a speaker, also be assessing. Every time that we've spoken anywhere, I always, we always reflect on what went right and what went wrong. So this, the crowd really resonated when I said this. So I'm going to include that part of my next speech or they didn't really resonate with this or it didn't flow right. So constantly be looking at how you can improve. And I would add to that, um, and I know that you're a big, big advocate of this, is that although your learning should be very diverse, when you're speaking, you should always be focusing on a niche and you really need to understand your market in that niche. And so when we first started, we spoke on a lot of different topics um, but each one of them, when we would speak or hold an event, we were already, always very careful to target the specific type of population that would need to hear the type of presentation that we were giving. Um, it's not enough just to say, oh, I'm a speaker. You have to have a very specific thing that you start to become known for. Even though sometimes it might feel redundant to talk about the same thing all the time, that's how you... Uh, develop yourself a name for yourself and it doesn't mean you have to get pigeonholed in that and stay in that forever um, but it it's worth taking the time to really get clear on what your message is and who your message is for because not everybody 
is going to come to your event. Not everyone is the right audience for you. So you need to know what your what lane you're in so you know where you're going. And, and I actually would like to add one more thing. <laughs> okay. I know I can go on, but uh, <laughs> it's also put yourself around decision makers and the right people. And so, for example, we got to speak at PodFest not that long ago. Uh, because we wanted to learn more about podcasting and we ended up going to a podcast meetup uh, and the person that runs that meetup actually runs PodFest. And we really connected, developed those relationships. You know, he's, a, he's an amazing person. We love what he does. And he asked us if we do a presentation at, his, at that meetup. And from that presentation, he really liked it. And he said, would you be willing to speak at PodFest? Uh, and we did that. So put yourself out there, let people know what you do. Uh, surround yourself, go to different uh, social groups and different places that you're going to connect to the right people that are going to open up those doors and opportunities for you. Yeah, that's really great advice. I mean, doing these different uh, speaking games, you don't know who's in the room, uh, who could be an event organizer. And there are speakers, like the way they do it is they speak at an event and like three other people say, hey, can you speak at my event? And if you keep that cycle going, you're going to have a very full calendar of all these different speaking gigs. So I certainly like that. Uh, I do want to ask, you mentioned about the uh, redundancy and I, I get that. Like I've heard a story of someone who like a speaker changed their life or something like that, that they went to the same person, heard the person speak 30 years later. And even 30 years later, it was pretty much the same thing. Uh, that's what I remember hearing a story like this. So uh, how do you get like saying the same thing, talking about the same topic over and over again? How do you stick with that? Uh, I know you branch out a little bit, but how do you stick with that overall like main topic? Well, I would say that a lot of the times that we speak when it, it, over our life, the topic changes, but for maybe a year or two, we might be really highly focused on a specific topic, but in a lot of ways, not all of the presentations are the same because you're always speaking to a slightly different audience. So we might take the same core content and present it slightly differently depending on which audience we're speaking to. And so there's also a different, you know, you might have a, a keynote speech that you do that's your signature speech. And that speech isn't going to change very much. But there's also going to be, it's going to evolve where you're going to get invited to go and speak on a topic that's slightly different somewhere else. And so um, it's okay to have both. It's okay to have that one core presentation that you tend to use in a lot of different locations. And the odds that the same person is going to be at more than one is pretty small. But there are also going to be other topics that you start to delve into once you really start to get yourself out there. So it, it doesn't have to be one way or the other. And I would also add that it, for example, our core message is that you can create whatever you want in your life, that life is limitless, that you have all the possibilities and it's up to you. It's all about the mindset, right? So for example, if I'm speaking at a college, part of my message is how I filled my first year of college and I dropped out of college. And then I surround, like the core message stays the same, but the examples that we use are different. If I'm speaking at a high school, I talk about how I lost my brother in a car accident and how that transformed my life and all the things that I've learned from it. So I go into those topics. If we're speaking at a corporate event, I give examples about different companies and different inspirational things that people can see how the team building and how that can make an impact on, on their environment and what they're able to produce and how they're able to make a difference in the world as an like organization. So really, it's the core content might stay the same, but the examples that you use 
are going to be very different and they're going to be phrased different depending on your audience and their needs. So one of the things that we always do is that we study what our audience is. So if somebody says, hey, can you speak over here for about an hour? I always ask them, what's your demographic? Like what some of their needs are and really try to understand where they're coming from. So whatever it is that I'm saying, they feel like I'm talking to them. Like I do not believe in having a cookie cutter presentation that you do because that's not going to make you successful as a speaker. Yeah, that's really great stuff. And even for your signature talks, you can't change things around as Joel and Natalie mentioned, uh, based on who your audience, who your demographic is and uh, what interests them. So definitely really awesome stuff there. Uh, you two have been really terrific on the show. Uh, if you were listening to this at all, like thinking about, wow, I should really be creating online training courses like this. I should really learn how to sell online training courses from back of the stage. Uh, Joelle and Natalie, they do have uh, uh, a course called Online Course Revolution. I wonder if you two could talk a little bit about that for people who may be interested. Sure. Um, so our, our, our favorite program, which teaches people how to do what we do, um, is the online course revolution. So if you're interested in making courses and you have no idea where to start, it literally walks you through the whole thing from deciding what topic that you want to teach on to developing your curriculum um, and how you would actually break that up into pieces and r record it. And then we teach you how to do the filming and the lighting and the editing um, and even a little bit of info in there about if you don't want to have to do your own editing, how you can outsource it. Um, so it's really a start to finish and our method is um, slightly different than what some other training programs out there have because we believe in simplicity and we're the anti-perfectionists. So we're constantly pushing you just to do it and not wait till it's perfect and you don't have to have the best equipment. You can start with whatever you have. Um, and then we also have uh, training programs if you're wanting to know how would I take this course that I create or whatever type of program I want to offer and how would I offer it through a presentation, but do it in a way that I don't just feel like I'm standing up there and selling the whole time. And so we kind of have a blueprint that we use to be able to really provide value. And like Joel mentioned earlier, plant seeds through our presentation that let them know but we do have something more if they want it, but it, it kind of takes the pressure off. It doesn't feel salesy or sleazy. It just feels like you're really giving them, something that you're passionate about and then letting them know in a nice way, hey, you can come and take my course if you wanna do more with this. So we, we do teach both of those strategies. And one thing I would just add is that whether you look through our course, we, we do have a free one that you could take and kinda of start, uh, start developing an online course yourself, is that you should become an infopreneur as a speaker. Like there's no if about that, whether you're learning something from us or learning something from YouTube or learning something from somewhere else, this is something that you must do. And the reason being is that we started as speakers, one, and then we were always exchanging our time for money and then we leveraged it by bringing other speakers. So we would bring five to 10 speakers and then we bring their crowd. We would do webinars, we would do all these different things. But again, we weren't leveraging ourselves to make the biggest impact. So how can you reach the most people? Because if you wanna be a speaker, it's because you wanna make a difference in people's lives. Obviously, you want to make the money too, but at your core, you want to make a difference. And obviously, I know that's your driving force, Mark. So, you know, we really resonate with that. And for us, it's not about the numbers. Obviously, we get paid very well. At this point, actually, we, between all the platforms and everywhere we're at, we're closer to 150,000 students. We're adding about 10,000 students a month. So we're reaching a massive amounts of people. And the money is great, but more than anything, we're reaching people all over the world. So if you want to make an impact, what can you do? 
outside of your speaking that's going to be able to reach more people and leave a legacy that you know that you you're going to be able to transform lives in a way that wouldn't be able to be transformed if you hadn't done that yeah and i just want to point out and reiterate if you're speaking on stages the only people who can hear you are the ones in the room so again if you want to make an impact you have to have some other way that you're reaching people, whether it's making eBooks or print books or courses or offering coaching. There has to be something beyond the speaking. The speaking is just a stepping stone to something bigger. Mm. Uh, it's a great platform, but it's not, it's not the end game. The end game is to have that be a way to spread your message to then be able to bring people into your world so that you can spread an even bigger message. Joel and Natalie, really awesome stuff. I definitely like how we closed out by saying you only impact the people in that room unless you do something like trading courses, uh, which is what this episode's been about, or join the online course revolution to even learn more about that. All those links will be in the show notes for anyone who's interested in those. You can all schedule a free strategy call. That link will be down there as well. But uh, once again, I mean, you two are really awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this perspective with us of how we can make money through online courses as speakers. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you, Mark. You. Thank you for everything that you do.